Welcome to the Mobile Game Dev Playbook. This podcast is brought to you in association with Game Refinery. Join us as we uncover the latest trends in mobile game design. Hello and welcome to the Mobile Game Dev Playbook. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is the podcast that provides insights into what makes a great mobile game, what is and isn't working for mobile game designers at the moment, and all the latest trends. I'm your host, John Jordan. And uh, today we are going to be looking at potential trends for 2022, particularly uh, looking at the Chinese market. So uh, our expert is uh, Kale Helkinen, who is the senior analyst at Game Refinery by Vungle uh, in the Chinese market. So you're, you're the man for the job today. Yes, yes. Thanks for introducing me. Hopefully we're going to discuss uh, other markets as well. But uh, yeah, so China, the China market is, is definitely uh, my sort of focus area at uh, Game Refinery. Happy to be in the podcast. And I guess it is interesting, as we all know, Chinese, the Chinese mobile market is the biggest in the world um, as a national market by, by, by quite a long way. And I guess it probably has the most influence as well, not just in Southeast Asia, but a lot of the trends we see in China sort of end up sort of flowing, flowing around the world. Um, so, um, so hopefully we'll pick up some stuff that will be useful to people um, next year uh, and, and, and in future years as well. So what we're going to kick off with, um, I think events. Events have been a popular subject on the podcast, haven't we? We've covered events recently and that seems to be, you can't, you can't have too many events. You can't think too much about in-game events. Exactly, uh, exactly. So that's, that's, a, that's a very good topic actually too. Um, to to start to start with, so um, there's actually two sort of uh, like uh, subtopics uh, under under events that I would like to just point out um, here. So, um, um, so the first one being sort of the different types of meta elements uh, making appearances in event design, and then the the other one is that we are seeing more and more of these sort of like special playing modes or mini games uh, being added to added to uh, events and like uh, events obviously it's not uh, a new thing to say that events are uh, important uh, like we have seen different types of events like uh, seasonal events collaboration events anniversary events um, new server events you name it you have it uh, there's loads of different kinds of types of events and they're obviously obviously uh, important but what I wanted to really like highlight this is for example these uh, renovation uh, events that we are seeing more and more uh, in uh, in mobile games, uh, basically. So that's a trend that has been already going on in 2021, but uh, we strongly, strongly believe that uh, the trend will continue next uh, week as well. So just a maybe brief intro. If there's someone who's now thinking that okay, what renovation events? What do you what do you mean? So um, what we're what we're basically talking about is like if you've played Gardenscapes or Homescapes, you probably know that the meta side of things is all about you know you know renovating and decorating your house, right? So um, put that in an event format. And put that into basically any casual game that you can find in uh, in, in nowadays, uh, and that's what we are uh, basically uh, uh, talking about. So, so you have this uh, limited time event, and then during that event, you are sort of like doing these different types of renovations, and there are lots of different kinds of monetization opportunities there, uh, as well as usually um, you have to either play the game to get the materials to re- renovate. Um, the room uh, that you're renovating, or then you have to uh, pay up uh, to to do that. And then uh, another sort of uh, meta element that we're seeing in 
in uh, in events that we also think that 2022 is going to be a big year for it is to have these special playing modes or mini games. Um, so this is like casual games are doing this, but also midcore games. So for midcore side of things, like one example is AFK Arena. Um, so they have these match three uh, events, which have nothing to do with, you know, AFK Arena is an idol RPG, as we all know. It has nothing to do with that. But they have these very interesting events um, uh, that loop uh, from time to time uh, that are about uh, a match three. And then from the casual uh, side of things, the obvious example is Playrix's game portfolio. So like Fishdom, for example, is, is nowadays utilizing heavily these sort of mini games that, again, have nothing to do with the basic match three gameplay, but they're just very interesting and fun and surprising um, events for the players to basically experience. So yeah, that's like uh, a couple of things that we are also expecting to be big in 2022 when it comes to events. It's sort of interesting. The renovation stuff is interesting, I guess, because basically when they when these events start off, you sort of, you know, you're like starting at the beginning of a sort of, of a process where everything's sort of messed up and you're sort of clearing it up. It's a very strong sort of psychological um, imperative, I think, for the player just to... Exactly. And if we think about the motivations for casual players, like we look at game refinery data for motivations and one of the top motiva- uh, motivational drivers for them are actually A, completing milestones and B, decorating and customizing stuff. So they are directly tapping into those motivations, those renovation events. I guess another interesting one, I, I don't know, I get interested, interested to get your opinion on this. So so having these mini games, how much of that do you think plays into sort of UA? Because I guess we've had, um, you know, throughout the last couple of years, really, we've had these sort of uh, UA adverts uh, for games that haven't necessarily been part of the of the core gameplay and some people some companies have sort of got fined um uh, around that but if you have a mini game that's nothing to do with the main game you can sort of do a an advert based on the mini game which which sort of then allows you to to sort of you know honestly say well yeah i'm, I'm doing an advert for this it's a mini game in our game which may not be related to the main gameplay but um you know is that is that a, is that something or is that just coincidence yeah that's the, i i'm i'm 100 positive that it's not a coincidence it's it's uh, like uh like definitely um, something that you can have your on your in your playbook uh, when you're thinking about your UI strategy and and um, combining that with with this mini game. So like if we think about the AFK Arena uh, example, uh, or or for example the another example might be uh, for Top War, which is a forex strategy game. It has this merge elements in it, uh, and it's pretty clear that. They use those merge elements in their UA activities to, um, you know, attract a certain kind of a player base that that normally might not be interested just a forex strategy gameplay. But then it's the merge mechanics that might be uh, something of a lure. <laughs> I don't want to say a lure, but uh, but um, well, different type of uh, um, value proposition for them to, you know, come uh, play the play the game. I'm not. I'm not actually 100% sure. Is is AFK Arena using those match three modes in their UA? Um, but if they are, it would t- totally make, make total sense. It just goes to me. I'm always sort of fascinated. You know, when we do these podcasts, how how now sophisticated you know mobile game design is. You know, it used to be, used to be you know you had a basic you choose a basic core sort of element and, you, and you'd really try and focus on being the best whatever you were in that genre or maybe sub genre. But now the whole thing is you know as you talk about you know these events and then on top of that you have these sort of mini game sort of processes which are events and other other sort of layers you're building sort of games within mini games within games but it's all 
sort of holding together, hopefully like a core retention, you know, monetization loop. It's becoming incredibly sophisticated um, products. Yeah, and it's interesting when, like in PlayRix's case, like like they have multiple different games where they can use this same sort of events or at least the, the sort of the frameworks for these events and just, you know, you have this one minigame uh, X on Fishdom and then, you know, you have the next week you might have the same, basically the same event, the minigame event in another PlayRix game. So it's interesting how they can also like recycle the content across their portfolio, which is obviously clever. Okay, what we got next? What's, what's, a, what's another big, um, big trend we're going we're gonna to consider? Well, I was thinking that we could discuss uh, gacha. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, kind of too much gacha. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's uh, like obviously, um, like gacha has never been like the gacha scene or the gacha design. It's it's never been sort of stagnant. Like uh, like especially if you have been familiar with the Japanese landscape and the mobile games there, there's actually been a lot of different kinds of innovations around the gacha uh mechanics so it's not just the regular gacha where you you know you pay up or you get up maybe a daily ticket or something and then you pull a gacha and then you get a randomized reward but um but for for just to give one couple of examples in in japan we have these like box gachas for example uh we've had them for a long time where you have a sort of a specific pool of items and then when you pull the gacha you one by one sort of pull the items out of the box as to say and then in the like if you pull all those items one by one, obviously you know in the end you will get all the uh, items from the from the uh, from the box. So that's one one uh, one implementation. Then maybe another example could be this like pity uh, gachas, uh, where you know uh, yeah, if you just keep on pulling the gacha, then at some point you are guaranteed to get uh, an item of a specific rarity for example and obviously like these are mechanics that we are now seeing uh, in western games and like games that maybe they are not you know developed by western developers but nevertheless they are from games that are popular in the west but they might be from uh, originating from Asia, like Genshin Impact, uh, for example. So, so I'm not saying that we are not seeing these uh, special mechanics, but um, but they have been prevalent and and much used in 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 Asia, for example, in Japan for a long time. But then, um, like right now, what we are pretty excited about, or let's say that uh, at least interested to see how it's going to be in 2022, is there's a couple of uh, gacha-related mechanics. So the first one is preview um, gacha. So there are not that many um, sort of real life examples from mobile scene uh, just of uh, as of uh, uh, yet. Uh, but uh, the latest FIFA uh, game, so the football, football game actually has these preview gachas. So what they basically are is that uh, compared to the regular gacha where you, you know, as I already said, you pay something and then you pull the gacha and then you get a randomized reward. Uh, in preview gachas, how it goes um, is that uh, first um, you actually roll the uh, gacha, and after that um, you can you get to take a look at the possible rewards, and then you after that you then make a decision that okay I will you know take these rewards if I decide so then I have to pay up, and if I I look at the rewards and I'm like, okay, uh, well, it's 
actually not that attractive to me, then I just don't take them. But in, at least in FIFA's case, then you have to wait for 24 um, hours or something like something like that. So um, I, I I just like at least from the mechanics uh, point of view, I saw no, I see no reason why we wouldn't see at least some sort of iterations or implementations of this uh, uh, mechanics. So really really looking forward to see some applications of that in the West. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no matter the geographical area, but but in in the mobile scene in general. Yeah, no, that's, that's sort of counterintuitive, isn't it? You kind of think, well, the whole point of Gacha is the randomness and you sort of get what you get. So it's interesting to dig into how, what, you know, obviously game developers are doing that um, because they think it, it works better for them and their business model. Um, I guess in some degrees, it's sort of helpful in terms of people who've complained against Gachas because they kind of go, well, it's sort of like gambling. Um, and if you can see what you've got, then people can go, well, I don't want it. Uh, and then they're locked out. So I guess the clever thing is the lockout, is the time lockout, because that's sort of, that's what you're sort of losing. So you're kind of thinking, is the, you know, is the is the reason to take not take this one worth not doing anything for for twenty four hours? And, and I guess for some players, just like, no, don't want it. That's fine. I wasn't going to buy. I was only going to buy one. But for people who are more interested in buying stuff, it's like, well, I take that one because I want to have another go. So it's quite an interesting, again, sophisticated sort of um, sort of mechanic. Um, so yeah, that would be definitely interested to interested to see how that plays out. Yes, yes, totally, totally agree. And then uh, the the other one, the uh, sort of a um, well, gotcha related mechanic is to add um, social element to uh, to a gotcha. Uh, so we've seen some examples of this, uh, for example, in 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 Japan, where there's this game called Kotodaman, um, where there's basically a co-op uh, gotcha. So how it works is that um, um, if you do it, you can do it in uh, solo. When if you do it solo, then it's pretty much a regular gotcha. But if you do it in co-op, then you you press the button to, to to sort of now I want to do the co-op gacha, uh, and then uh, the system will find you uh, a team of players. I believe it was like a six six players in total, so random random players. And then you have this sort of a team, and then each one of these six players then um, uh, selects one character from a pre-selected pool of characters. So all the par- participants do this. Uh, and after that, then all of the participants will get each other's uh, uh, characters. So that is a very interesting, interesting way to add a sort of a social twist to a uh, gotcha. So you're also like you make a decision on what kind of character you will get, but it's also you know if, like the 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 stuff that you get is there's the other players also uh, have an effect on what you are you are getting, which is quite uh, interesting. But yeah, that's that's on the sort of the gotcha. Um, side of things so so the social gacha is also something that um I, we we could definitely see uh picking up in 2022 okay so we move on to something um bigger scale so we can talk about triple a so triple a is always i guess the as, as, a, as an industry sort of matures and gets stronger the sort of the the, the sort of value and the cost of triple a's is always increasing but uh i guess there's always that um that yeah, that premium feel to something is always something that sort of really draws in the crowd. I guess you know, said it many times this year, the, uh, many times in twenty twenty one. The uh, you know, the, sort of in twenty twenty, Genshin Impact as a a real sort of defining sort of a product. Exactly, exactly. So like you mentioned, we we've recently seen some really really high quality mobile games uh, in terms of graphical uh, fidelity and and uh, game world scope and so on. So like you mentioned, Genshin Impact for example, and then. Marvel Future Revolution also um, falls under this 
this uh, umbrella as well. And I strongly believe that these kind of types of experiences are are something that we will see more uh, in the in the future. For example, in 2022 uh, as well. Um, so not saying that all the mobile game landscape or the market in general would be would be heavily swifting to the uh, i mean shifting to this uh, direction but but let, let's just say maybe that like a couple of years ago we had none of these types of uh aaa games on mobile and now we have some and i just believe that the trend is 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 going to uh going to accelerate in the future and related to this is also the sort of increase in cross play uh cross play games so we've had examples like like uh, well, Genshin Impact and Fortnite, obviously, and and Minecraft and Roblox and 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 so on. But there are also games like Star Wars Hunters coming up, Fallout 84, Honkai Star Rail, which are all sort of taking advantage of the cross-play uh, possibilities. So, so definitely going to predict that 20, 2022 we'll see more examples uh, of cross-play uh, games, and then maybe the. Sort of last relating point is that uh, I think if I would have to pick up one genre, specific genre when it's going to get very, very interesting in 2022, it would definitely be the shooter space. So so uh, it's it's going to really uh, heat up. So uh, already this fall, we had PUBG New State and, and some other interesting uh, titles, but there's, you know, the Valorant Mobile is coming, Apex Legends uh, is going to be globally launched and we just had final fantasy first soldier and and uh there's the division mobile coming up and and so on so that is going to be one um specific genre that is going to be very very interesting to to follow and and, and how will these new entrants find their audiences or or, or will there uh, like who is going to be end up finding top crossing success and 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 who who will uh, who will not so uh, that's going to be interesting to see no it's a good point there the cross the cross platform allows you i suppose to uh, probably makes it slightly more expensive to build from an engineering point of view but it allows you to just address that you have the you, know, you have to you, it ensures i guess that you your game is really good for the sort of console pc sort of crowd who really like that whatever the experience is but it also if you can then get the mobile stuff in, that gives you the monetization, I suppose, and it gives you the reach. So you've got you're addressing then, you know, billions potentially of people instead of tens of millions. Um, I guess it's also interesting though that not, not all games like that. Are there, I guess the big one coming out of um, China this year is or next uh, coming out um, in twenty twenty two is uh, Diablo Immortal, which is which is mobile only, I think, isn't it? Um, so there's still there's still scope for mobile only AAA games. Um, so there's sorts of slightly different uh, takes on on what AAA is, but yeah. yeah. Good to see. Yeah, and and that's actually tapping into like if we had had one more like trend added to today's list, it probably would have been like the the sort of IPs, big IPs coming to mobile and stuff like that, and 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 yeah. some of the IPs really like tapping into this nostalgia factor as as well. Or let's put like let's say that like sort of an older gaming franchise, it's like Di- Di- Diablo. So that's that's a perfect ex- example. So really interesting to see how that. Uh, game is going to perform. Would, would you say actually also on that point that sort of reminds me that the you know one of the big games in China in twenty twenty one has has been the Harry Potter game um, which is coming to the West in twenty twenty two. But it's been interesting that's, that there seems to be some um, uh, discussion about the sort of how how the monetization and sort of retention works for the Chinese market and how that's maybe going to be um, uh, sort of a uh, um, what well, the reaction that's going to be 
you know, in 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 the in sort of a North America kind of Western Western European markets. And I guess it's a similar thing for Di- Diablo um, uh, Immortal, which has been developed in China, um, not necessarily for the Chinese market first, but but there's some interesting sort of tension there, I guess, in in terms of how how different audiences want to interact with with their experiences, and it, and it becomes harder, I guess, for IP when people go, well, I remember when I was playing Diablo 2, you know, blah, 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 you know, all the time I spent there, all people going, I loved Harry Potter when I was when I was little. And, and that sort of, you know, that's very hard to do from a from a game design um, and deployment point of view. You can't really please everyone. So it's really interesting to see when those games come out in the West, how how they are, um, what the reaction is to them. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, players can have certain types of attitudes towards players that or, or like their favorite franchises that are now being developed by developers that that uh, just have some some certain kind of associations associations with them so uh, but yeah let's hope that the the game is as as, as good as it can be and uh, what's our what's our final uh, what's our final trend to, to dig into yeah so let's just as finally i i know we have in this podcast um <laughs> we have been discussing a lot uh on you know the topic of battle pass is getting more popular and social elements in casual getting more popular, but we just can't help ourselves. <laughs> I mean, the, like it's just a fact that the, it's still a trend. You know, more and more games are adopting, for example, uh, a battle pass. Um, like for example, just the last year, the top crossing utilization uh, rose from forty six percent to sixty one. Um, percent and uh, like in 2022 probably we're gonna see even more more games in top crossing um, adopting uh, battle passes and uh, and they're you know as we have said before they they're not tied to any specific genre uh, like we see them everywhere practically like like it's really hard to find a genre nowadays where there wouldn't be an example of a, ge- a game title having a, a, a battle pass so so just wanted to Say that 2022 again, um, probably we will see even even uh, higher uh, usage of uh, of battle pass, and then it's the same thing with the uh, with the social elements in in casual uh, games. It might be that we're sounding like a broken record, but <laughs> but for example, guilds in top 100 titles last year, uh, the utilization rose from 60 percent to 70 percent, and like we see no reason why it wouldn't couldn't go even. Uh, even higher from from there. So 2022, more utilization of different types of social mechanics and features and systems for uh, for sure. And then deeper social systems uh, as well. So like one example is uh, the time management game Cooking Diary, which just recently added uh, this social hanging out area system where you can uh, outside the, the normal gameplay, you can go hang out with uh, with your friends and engage in some some casual uh, activities there so that's very interesting we haven't seen these hangout areas in time management games before for example good yes now it, it is always interesting that you kind of think um for some of these sort of features as i say you've been talking about battle pass for for you know months if not years now uh, but there's always sort of more more that can be done with those and and still and still more sort of uh as, de- as sort of developers and designers sort of get to grips with this they sort of realize that you know you can put these in the in the right context, you can mold, sort of mold them into any into any game sort of genre. It doesn't have to be for the you know the battle royale shooters that, that they were first sort of um, that first adopted them. That they really you know these techniques can be you know in the right context sort of used everywhere. So 
Great, excellent. So uh, in-game events, renovation events, sketches, uh, more AAA and more battle passes and socials. That's that's where mobile games is going. Um, thank you very much for your, for your time, Calais. Thank you. And uh, thank you for uh, listening. That's it for uh, today. Um, so every month or so, we are publishing new podcasts uh, covering what's going on in mobile games, um, what's uh, looking looking at what's been happening and looking towards the future. Um, there is always so much going on as the uh, mobile games industry gets bigger and bigger and it goes from uh, you know three billion. I, I guess probably uh, won't be too long before we're up, up to up to four billion players. So keep it here. Please subscribe to the mobile game dev playbook um, via your uh, podcast or video. Uh, platform of choice and um, and and give us some reviews it's always helpful uh, to get some reviews it helps other people find us so thanks for, for listening and see you next time <laughs>